0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
0: This is a bit of a selfish interview, but I think it's going to impact a lot of people. Because I know it's just not just me who is a nervous flyer, and I am scared of airplanes. Every one of them, they all frighten me. So yesterday, here in southern Ontario... I know, I know. I heard you. Here in southern Ontario, <laughs> some of the wind gusts hit close to 90 kilometers an hour. I know. I heard you. And uh, in northern Alberta today, it's going to be roughly the same. So I was thinking. I was, I, so I sent an email to my good friend, Raymond Hall, former chair of the Air Canada Pilots Association, um, pilot for many years, flew the DC-9s, flew the um, Boeing... Seven six seven and seven 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 captain and a lawyer as well. And I sent a sent an email to Raymond. And I said, "What I'd like to speak with you about is how do you deal with these sorts of weather events as a commercial pilot of a large airliner like those seven sixty sevens you navigated across the skies? What do pilots look for as far as weather events are concerned? What gets you to decide not to fly? And uh, how, how do you how do you deal with those things?" Raymond, thank you for uh, thanks for coming on. How are you?
1: Always a pleasure. I'm, I'm
0: well. I can't believe you got on an airplane every day for years and years and years. <laughs> it's just, I can't, I can't But I, I, I would feel very confident if I were on a plane and, and Captain Hall was just sitting up for me. I'm honored. <laughs> so, so, so you have these massive uh, wind events and rain events and snow events and ice events. It's Canada. This is the kind of weather we have. What is it that makes sense? Where are the parameters for, yeah, we're going to fly, or not right now, or we're going to delay, or if you're in the air, we're not going to that airport, we're diverting?
1: Well, it's safety first, obviously. That's uh, absolutely the highest priority and the first uh, priority on every pilot's mind and you balance uh, your knowledge with your experience and uh, rely heavily on weather forecasts, uh, weather, uh, reports, weather reports, uh, particularly runway condition reports, uh, uh, wind reports, crosswind uh, components and that sort of thing. and. Uh, and don't take any chances, you just make sure that uh, if you're going to proceed to an airport that uh, everything is uh, within a, a, a wide margin of safety before you actually uh, proceed. And of course you can divert en route, I've done that many times, where the weather changes, uh, particularly on really long flights, say you can come out of Hong Kong and you're doing a fifteen and a half hour flight to Toronto, Uh, The forecast that you got before you left was over 15 hours uh, out of date, and so the weather can change by the time you get there, Mm -hmm. and you have to carry enough fuel to get to uh, uh, one or more different choice alternates. Okay.
0: Now, you sent in your email to me Your reply. You spoke about runway conditions and rejecting takeoffs and something called the JBI, the James Brake Index, and snow clearing and sanding critical to achieve a high JBI. This sounds like a foreign language to me. What what are you telling us?
1: It's a measure of a friction coefficient uh, that that tells you how effective your stopping uh, distance is. For example, uh, after you touch down, you need to be able to bring the aircraft to a stop within the confines of the runway, obviously. Mm-hmm. And if you have a very low JBI, which you get with freezing rain, for example, uh, it, the numbers go from uh, zero to one. So if your JBI is 0.3, for example, you may not have enough distance uh, to be able to stop within the confines of the runway. So that's one of the factors you take into consideration The JBI reports before you actually decide to land there. Okay.
0: Then we had an incident uh, last week in uh, Kitchener-Waterloo, in Ontario, where a uh, um, Flair Airlines Boeing 737 overran the runway. These are very rare events, but uh, they do they do concern the flying the flying public. But fortunately, it is very rare, and uh, I don't know what to say in addition to that. So.
1: Extremely rare, uh, Roy, and uh, and that's because pilots exercise caution all, all the time. And sometimes uh, they're surprised by the events. Perhaps the weather reports or the runway condition report were not accurate, uh, so they get themselves into a situation where uh, they were relying on the information that was available, and and it's out of date. Um, and that can change in, in a matter of minutes. Sometimes, okay. uh, depending on the particular airport and the facilities available. So,
0: so Raymond, if you're, you're dealing with uh, visibility issues, if it's low visibility, and in your email reply to me, your most large aircraft are certified for full auto land in almost zero visibility. I had no idea. That's very impressive. Yeah.
1: That's it, it, It's classified in, in, under a terminology called CAT 3A uh, and it requires a series of uh, things all working properly. The equipment has to be installed in the aircraft. The pilots have to be trained for that type of landing. You have to have the pro- appropriate pro-flight system. You have to have the appropriate center line r- lighting on the runway, and the runway has to have uh, uh, a wind condition where the crosswind doesn't exceed 10 knots, for example. So when you put that all together, uh, it, it can be done. And there have been cases where pilots have actually auto-landed and then had to get towed off the runway because they couldn't see <laughs> the no runway in front of them. Oh, wow!
0: That is amazing. Talk about technology. Now, when you're dealing with wind, like if you're wherever you are, if there's a 90 kilometer an hour wind, and you pointed out to me that aircraft take off and land into the wind, um, is the 90 is a 90 kilometer an hour wind, or wind gusts up to 90 kilometers an hour, is that enough to turn the key off and roll it back into the hangar? Metaphorically.
1: Probably uh, about the hundred almost 100% of the time, I would say so, right? Because with the 90-kilometer gusts, you have uh, variability in the wind and the conditions, uh, usually with low visibility and that sort of thing. So at, 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 after a certain point, when, get, when the wind gets over, say, 40 knots, uh, which is like 60 kilometers an hour, uh, then you have to be very concerned about uh, whether, whether or not you want to proceed. And the, the critical element of that is whether the wind is down the runway. Most major airports in Canada have more than one runway, so that you can always choose the runway to land in the wind. And if if the wind is directly down the runway... Then what happens is the uh, the actual ground speed of the aircraft is reduced because if you've got a uh, say a 30 knot wind and a uh, 120 knot landing, your uh, airspeed is reduced. Your ground speed is reduced to 90 knots. So it's actually safer when the wind is down the wrong way and with a steady wind. But if the wind is variable uh, and particularly if the visibility is low, that could factor into the decision as to whether or not you want to proceed. Okay.
0: Here's here's just a personal question. I never know when I'm on an air. First of all, I'm an, I told you I'm an uneasy flyer. I get on a plane with great reluctance. I don't think anything that big and that heavy should be 30,000 feet in the air with me sitting in it. So that's – I don't mind the ocean. I've been on on ships on the Atlantic and North Atlantic in January with the storm so heavy it pressed in the, uh, the, the, the bow plates. I'm okay with that. It's got lifeboats. Um, but – how often do you decide? What makes a captain decide it's time to communicate with the folks in the back?
1: Communication is uh, critical, and 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 it's very important to have timely, accurate information, particularly if you're going to have difficulty, uh, particular turbulence, yeah. or if you're going to divert. I tr- I always like to give the uh, passengers the most up to date information because, in particularly now with iPhones, they they can get information faster than you can get it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it, particularly if the, there's a low visibility uh, uh, at your destination airport, they can tell that because they have access to Wi-Fi and, and uh, weather reports, aviation weather reports, and that sort of thing. So, so communication is extremely important. But being a nervous flyer is not unusual. You'll find good company there. One of my interest, most interesting flights the DC-9 from Edmonton to Vancouver was where Wayne Gretzky came up to the cockpit. And I found out later that it was his regular habit. He was a nervous flyer, just like you are. And... And he insisted. This was before nine eleven, of course. Uh, he insisted and, and was always greeted uh, to sit in the, in the uh, extra seat in the cockpit for the landing, so that he could see what was going on and comfort himself with uh, the knowledge that everything was okay.
0: I, I understand that. <laughs> I was on a DC, a DC eight, uh, I think it was, on the way to the Caribbean years and years ago, and they invited me up onto the flight deck because <laughs> I told them I was nervous. And the, 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 the flight attendant recognized me. Because uh, yeah. you know she'd been in the studio, we'd done a program. She said, "Would you like to go up to the flight deck?" Oh, would I ever! And uh, and it's a quite a different experience, and I never forget when we were arriving at the Caribbean airport, and the uh, there was a communication between the tower and the and the plane. And they basically said, "Just follow the plane in front of you." And I thought, "That's a little informal," but but, but, but okay, then this is fine. Raymond, thank you very much. Oh, really quickly, was there a, is there a flight you can share with us? A moment where you. Um
1: not a specific one, Roy, but the, the most difficult uh, aviation circumstances are, are are the thunderstorms and the line of thunderstorms you get across the prairies in particular in the summertime. And, and those present real serious problems for being able to navigate and, and your decisions as to whether you go or not.
0: What, what do you do when you're uh, in, in flight and uh, there's a thunderstorm that appears in front of you? How do you deal with that?
1: What I did one time, coming out of Edmonton, going to Winnipeg, I got on the wrong side of a big line of thunderstorms in the summer in July of of that particular year, and I couldn't get through it without... uh, There is weather radar. We've got very good weather radar in the airplanes, but I couldn't penetrate it without uh, uh, taking a safety risk. So I just landed in Regina and waited it out, got some more fuel, and went to Winnipeg afterwards.
0: See, I'd fly with you any time. Thank you, Raymond. I appreciate it. I just had the thought yesterday when the winds hit 90K. I thought, I've got to, I've got to get in touch with Raymond about
1: this. That was quite a storm.
0: <laughs> it was. And I, I was saying, this also, this was the time where possession is nine-tenths of the law came into, into play because your car would involuntarily move from your driveway into your neighbor's driveway. So,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts,